It is the year of the rabbit. So is the Chinese economy about to bounce back? Well, it started already last week, didn't it? But could it also delay the dampening of global inflation? That was the warning from the ECB on Friday. And it really is a mixed story right now. Central banks are still pushing ahead with rate rises, even though there's weaker signals of economic growth. And the tech sector are out to get rid of as many people as possible to keep their earnings intact. Uh, the path post-pandemic is still not clear, is it, how we get out of all of this? But maybe the Chinese New Year will bring something out of the hat. Get it? That's the most convoluted introduction thing we've ever had. It's Monday, the 23rd of January, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities got a boost on Friday after a short week that had been heading down, but a 2.7% lift in the Nasdaq saw it up on the week. Actually, its highest close for over a month. For the S&P 500, which was up 1.9%, and the Dow up 1%, their Friday gains not enough to compensate for the week's losses. In fact, the Dow finished the week 2.7% down. Bond yields up on Friday, but lower on the week in the U.S., so 10-year Treasuries up almost 9 basis points on Friday, but down 2.4 basis points over the week. Two years did get down to 4.04% on Thursday, but climbed 15 basis points to 4.19% by the end of the week. And 10 years fell to 3.32%, but stayed to similar rising yields as the week went on. But Aussie 10-year yields, well, they fell over 20 basis points last week, seemingly in a different league, uh, with more interest in bonds after those lower-than-expected employment numbers. And bond yields didn't climb back much after that at all. Currency-wise, last week was good for the Kiwi dollar. It was up 1.5%. Much of that on Friday. Not so good for the Aussie dollar, which did climb 0.8% on Friday, but was down on the week, although only slightly, uh, finishing up to uh, 69.6 US cents. It was a strong week for the pound, climbing 1.4%, and the Swedish krona up 1%. The Japanese yen lost 1.3% after some confusion about what the Bank of Japan is actually trying to do. And oil climbing higher. Brent up 2.8% last week, WTI up 1.8%, with uh, big drops in lead and coal as well. So Ray Attrell kicks off the week on the morning call. Now, not everyone might realise, Ray, that we do actually do a revised edition of the morning call after the market close in the United States. You wouldn't know that if you're one of our early listeners. So if you listened to the later version on Friday, you would have heard us mention that Netflix earnings results came in and that helped equity markets on futures almost straight away. But the question is, could it be an overreaction? I mean, they got their subscribers back, but, you know, it's a fickle business, isn't it? And, um, you know, it's hard, surely, to map the strength of Netflix to the strength of the economy. I mean, you could even argue that it's a sign that people are staying in and not spending as much on other stuff. So it actually could be a sign that the economy is on a bit of a downturn. Yes, morning, Phil. But, uh, well, any excuse, I think, for an equity market rally after uh, a couple <laughs> of down days, I suspect. But yeah. um, but obviously, that you know, to say the market clearly liked the fact that their uh, net new subscribers was, was it 7.7 again? It's four and a half million expected, but um, extremely volatile. And uh, mm. uh, in itself, you wouldn't think that's the basis for a, a sustained equity market rally. And obviously, you know, they are part of the, the tech sector, communication services in this case, where we've seen, you know, multiple uh, or tens of thousands of layoffs for the for the big companies and uh, Microsoft included, who are going to be reporting this week, obviously. So, um, yeah. so yes, I think just think, you know, on the day, you know, it, a bit of a, a bit of a headwind 
coming from, sorry, tailwind, you know, coming from those. And uh, it obviously fed through into, into a reasonably decent gain and a little bit surprising, perhaps, given that, um, you know, yields were higher. Treasury yields were, were higher, I think, feeding off Europe that on another day you've expected the Nasdaq to be an underperformer rather than an outperformer. So um, no mm. accounting for taste sometimes in well, the 10, 000, those layoffs, equity markets. Yeah, well, 10,000 layoffs for, the, for Microsoft. Google announced 12,000 layoffs on Friday and Amazon supposedly getting rid of 18,000. It sounds like a race to see who can get rid of the most people. Synergy. That's right. Well, I think it, it is. I think it's a case of, uh, you know, investors uh, wanting to see that um, cost controls are proceeding apace in, you know, what all of them have said is going to be a weakening uh, weakening demand outlook. So, you know, the race to, to, to prove that you can still deliver uh, the earnings that you have been basically against a, a weaker demand backdrop mm. is clearly on, isn't it? Yeah. Now, tell me about Aussie bonds then. Why that reaction uh, that we saw after those employment numbers and, and why didn't we see that recover? Well, I think it is, uh, you know, looking at the week, it was certainly the, uh, you know, the slightly softer than expected employment numbers that uh, got the market sort of questioning their sort of confidence that the RBA is destined to deliver another rate um, hike when it meets on uh, February the 7th. Um, incidentally, there's a lot in the a lot in the weekend press, incidentally, um, you know, with various analysts quoted saying that, uh, you know, if the RBA persists in, in, in raising rates more than, you know, more than a couple of times, or maybe even that will be enough effectively to cause a hard landing for the economy. So there clearly is some sort of questioning as to, you know, how much more the RBA is is, is going to do before it does see fit to uh, to stop. And obviously, we've got CPI this week, which is probably going to be the arbiter of, uh, uh, of what happens over the next couple of meetings, at least anyway. But as I say, looking at the week and the fundamental news, you'd have to say that uh, the outperformance by Aussie bonds, fundamentally, at least, uh, you know, does was driven by those uh, by those employment numbers. Right. Okay, but the idea that the RBA is going to stop sooner rather than later. I mean, the Bank of Canada is still pushing ahead, isn't it? They're going to, the expectation is middle of this week, they're going to add 25 basis points on. So that's 425 basis points this year. And, you know, they've seen inflation coming down a fair bit since the second half of last year, but they're still going. And, you know, they had their, their, their retail numbers, which actually didn't fall as much as expected on Friday. So, you know, they might argue that's a reason why they need to keep going. But does that make sense that they would keep going and, you know, rather... And yet, the you know, why would we say, well, okay, perhaps the RBA is going to stop sooner? Yeah, well, I think the uh, you know the reason why the RBA might is, is simply because you know they have moved, and they might not have moved quite as much as some other central banks, but they've moved they've moved a lot and they've moved very quickly. And we know that the full impact of uh, of higher mortgage rates has yet to feed through to a lot of uh, mortgage holders. So there's a lot of uh, tightening still uh, in the pipe, if you like, that hasn't had its full uh, economic impact. As far as Canada's concerned, yes, the Retail sales numbers weren't quite as weak as expected, but if you looked at those inflation numbers, you know, in all their sort of core elements last week, um, you you aren't seeing a meaningful decline in underlying inflation as yet, and that's why um, the majority of analysts expect the Bank of Canada to move. But it's it's not a slam dunk. I mean, I think something like seven out of twenty one um, analysts polled by Bloomberg are saying that the Bank of Canada will hold fire this week. So um, there is a you know the, the Canadian markets and, and sort of market generally in terms of central bank thinking you know could turn um you know if the bank of canada decides not to move people will probably try and extrapolate that to uh, other upcoming central bank meetings but uh, but the other thing about canada is there is a, a pretty strongly held view that it's if they do ra- rise on uh, middle of the week it's one and done so um 
would take rates up to what four uh, four and three quarters, wouldn't it? At, uh, sorry, to from four and a quarter to four and a half, and then the view would be that they're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? And and then what about the UK then? So, and this is maybe we can put the record straight because we we got a little bit confused on expectations for for the Bank of England, but they, I mean, maybe those expectations have changed now because UK retail sales for December down one percent month on month. Uh, you know, expect it, it would rise, it being Christmas and all. So that was a, a bit of a surprise on the downward side, wasn't it? Well, you'd have to say that uh, it does look like the the impact of, of higher headline inflation, you know, driven by higher energy prices and, um, you know, mortgage rate increases, you know, the, the, the retail sales chickens seem to be coming home to roost, don't mm. they? So, uh, you know, we're finally seeing some pretty hard evidence of, uh, of the UK economy in, you know, negative growth or, or recession territory, at least. So there was but, talk about a 50 basis point rise. So does that well, take that off the table? 50 basis points is still buy and it's still far and away the most expected outcome we haven't really seen any any pushback certainly none of the the so-called doves on the uh, on the mpc have been vocal right. so um, until they get to what point what's the expectation the end the end game the well it's still you know still that debate about how how much they're going to go we think maybe you know if they do deliver 50 on february the first then uh, maybe there's another 25 the market's thinking there's probably another you know another 50 after that at least and, and obviously right. andrew bailey has said that you know he doesn't have any disagreement with the way that markets are currently priced which is for uh, a terminal rate of around four and a half percent so you know we certainly think the risks around that is they'll do is that they'll do less rather than more versus and what's the, priced the, in and the kiwi dollar just quickly before we uh, we look at what's coming up this week the kiwi dollar romping ahead last week uh, whereas the aussie fell a little i mean the the, um, the kiwi dollar i think has actually started up a little this morning as well for, for an economy that seems to have a, a bit to worry about why the strength in the kiwi dollar um, pass. I don't, I don't, don't know, know is the answer. No. Um, you know, sometimes you know, as, as analysts who, have, who can't find a piece of fundamental, <laughs> we always have to find a piece of fundamental news to justify it. I couldn't really see anything uh, obvious, uh, you know, and sometimes when markets are relatively thin, it's uh, someone's got to right. buy or sell a currency and it, and it can have a meaningful impact. So, uh, right. I mean, we have Ray seen a little, know, we, we have seen a little bit. Down of, today. <laughs> we've seen a little bit of the air coming out of the tyres of, of sort of Aussie outperformance against the New Zealand dollar. So um, whether we're seeing a little bit of uh, a little bit of mm. profit taking on that, and Aussie didn't have a didn't have a great week, so it may be that um, you know that fed into a, a, a slightly you know weaker Aussie against the Kiwi, and then you know things like stop loss orders or people take rushing to take profits. So um, yeah, anyway, all, all that but things. to say, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Lael Brainard, uh, Williams, Harker, Waller, we, Waller. We had quite a few Fed speakers. Just very quickly. I mean, did they? I mean, was it all just you know more of the same? Still a way to go. Sticking to the plan. Need to see real signs of inflation easing before they contemplate easing their path of hike. I, I could write for all of them, couldn't I? Really. But was it? Was there anything surprising? I mean, or was it just more? No. Of that stuff? I, th I thought the only thing that that struck me was that um, Christopher Waller, who's the um, uh, has tended to be fairly hawkish. And I was noting that uh, the Fed has got a different view on inflation to the market. And that explains, mm. if you like, the disconnect between, you know, the market insisting that rates are going to come down before the end of the year uh, and the Fed saying that, that, you know, we're not having a bar of it based on our current inflation forecast. Right. So the implication is if the market's right and the Fed is wrong on inflation, then um, the Fed will be very quick to change its tune, which is what we do expect later in the year. But at the moment, 
Um, you know, Fed officials don't want to give any sucker to that uh, to, to that market view, at least, because what they worry about is that it's going to further ease financial conditions. And, uh, and that really cuts against what they think they need to do in terms of keeping policy reasonably restrictive. And, and to some extent, that means, you know, financial conditions for our equities, bond yields, etc. Uh, also doing a little bit of the lifting for them. And they just don't want to send the market off to the races with this, uh, the view that they already have right. about uh, lower rates this Christine year. Christine Lagarde, very quickly as well. I mean, she's uh, saying at Davos on Friday that the reopening of China is adding to inflation woes. And look, we you know, we are seeing oil, aren't we, creeping back up. So Brent got below $76 last month, and that's $11 over that, and climbing by by the looks of it. So is she right? Is that going to delay the uh, the, the, the recovery from this inflation wave that we're seeing? Well, well, certainly, although I think even with the recovery that we're seeing, we're still going to see some some favourable sort of year-on-year effects. Obviously, if oil continues and we get back up to, say, closer to $100 a barrel for, for Brent, you know, then we'll lose the sort of disinflationary impact, if you like, from energy prices. But, you know, just on the ECB, uh, we, I mean, really, we've had uh, Lagarde. We also had uh, Klaus Knott, the uh, Dutch central banker, pushing back pretty hard against that uh, Bloomberg report that you uh, discussed with Gavin last week that, um, you know, ECB was sort of my or ECB officials were edging towards dialing down the pace of tightening from sort of 50 to 25. Um, you know, Knott was basically saying, no, it's 50 point uh, increases all the way until we're, we're satisfied that policy is restrictive enough. And then Christine Lagarde told uh, investors that they needed to revise their expectations. So, um, mm. you know, certainly we seem to yeah. be barreling towards the ECB meeting with, with 50 nailed on. The question is going to be, you know, could we could we wind back to 25 points at following meetings? And at the moment, the ECB doesn't want to give any encouragement to that uh, to that source report we had last week. We're going to get a lot less activity from China, obviously, this week because of the Lunar New Year. But, I mean, are we going to see uh, a bit of a bounce? We, we started to see a bounce in equities, haven't we? But, I mean, do, when we have this break for, for the New Year and the, then things come back, do we normally see a bounce? Because there'd be more reason than ever this time, wouldn't they? Because things are improving. It's the Year of the Rabbit as well, so you'd expect a lot of bounce for Year of the Rabbit. But, I mean, could we see that, you know, it's going to be a, a, a good couple of weeks for equities once the holiday's over? Well, we've actually had a bit of a rally into it, didn't we? So it was actually the Asian yeah. markets that uh, you know, seem to be getting a bit of their retaliation in first with their outperformance and uh, in equity markets at the back end of last week. As you say, markets will be shut all this week. But obviously, you know, the, the COVID news, I think, out of, you know, what's going to be, you know, the huge amount of travel that's going to be taking place over the course of this mm. week. You know, you, you could you could argue the opposite that, um, you know, if we do see, you know, a surge in COVID infections that takes the sort of the, the wave sort of above the levels that we've seen in other countries, it might be a little bit of a setback for the reopening optimism that obviously has been driving the driving the currency higher uh, and driving out performance by Hong Kong and Shanghai. So um, again, I don't know yeah. whether we're, uh, this time next week we should be looking forward to uh, you know a new burst of optimism in Asia. We'll see. Well, meanwhile, it's going to be a fairly volatile week, isn't it? Because uh, inflation obviously is that greatly feared number, and we get it for Australia and for New Zealand. We also to get the PC deflator, which is the inflation gauge that the Fed likes to keep an eye on as well. And we also get PMIs, loads of PMIs this week as well. No, absolutely. But also activity that was on those PMIs. Remember, it was that weak um, ISM services in the US that, you know, really, you know, got people thinking, you know, the US is is no longer the uh, the least dirty shirt in the laundry. Um, and the, it was the, the S&P Global PMIs actually led that ISM one. So I think that more than usual interest, particularly in the US ones this week, and whether they're underperforming or outperforming Europe. Uh, but as you say, inflation really gets top draw uh, billing down here uh, and very mixed sort of expectations. I mean, in terms of Australia, we're looking for a, a further nudge up 
effectively in uh, in core measures uh, and headline measures, whereas New Zealand is seen uh, just edging down a little bit. And the, that core PCE deflator you mentioned out with the GDP numbers in the US later in the week is expected to, to show some moderation, I think down to about 4.4 from 4.7. So, um, but obviously here, it's the, the CPI numbers will have a huge bearing and would certainly be surprised at an outcome, you know, a, a lower than expected outcome, you know, will encourage more people to think maybe the RBA will pause in, in February. But I think that's uh, the bar to that happening, we think is still pretty high. Mm. All right. Well, we watch with interest. Good to talk, Ray. Catch you again soon. Will do. Thanks, Phil. And we are only here for four episodes this week. We're off for Australia Day, of course, and China is off all week, uh, but lots of data as well. Plus, we get earnings results, including Tesla and Microsoft as well. So it's a busy week ahead. So stick with us through it all. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow. See you then.